Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second installment of our series on Shemona Prakim with our Rosh Bet Midrash, Senior Rabbi of the SNP, Rabbi Joseph Dweck. Uh, in Chabura News, as you all know, the new edition of our journal Principles is out. Highly recommend everyone uh, to get their copy, which is available on our website. And also, now we are open to uh, to um, people to send in their essays for the next journal. So if you're interested in writing for us, we'll always encourage our members uh, to send in their essays. You can reach out to me or to Avi or to Sina, and we'd love to have you in our next uh, journal. Uh, with that said, thank you so much, everyone, for being here live. Thank you so much, everyone, who will be listening afterwards. And Chacham, the floor is yours. Thank you, Avohad. Okay. So we were, last time we looked at the introduction to the Shmona Perakim, and um, I said that this time we would look at some of the <clears throat> some of it in, in internally, and I've decided to um, to look at the fifth of the eight perakim, which I'm going to put up for you. Um, I'll put this here. Okay. Thankfully, we have the um, <laughs> excuse me, the um, translation of Rav Kafir, and I thank Eli Shaubi for providing me the uh, online PDF edition. Um, this is essentially the precursor or the prototype that Harambam used or kind of put forward that ended up being. The um, this is the third parak of Hilchot in which Harambam writes that everything that we do is meant to be aimed at the Avodah Kadosh Baruch Hu, to serve Kadosh Baruch Hu. Everything that we do should be aimed at the Avodah Kadosh Baruch Hu. And I think that actually what I'll do, just thinking about it now is I'm going to read you the opening of that halakha in, uh, in the Mishneh Torah. And I want to thank everybody also for the uh, accommodation of coming on in the earlier time. It's quite helpful for me. Um, yes, here we are. Okay. So Harambam, I, I won't share this, I'm just going to read it out. Harambam writes in Hilchot Derot Peregimal Halakha Bet, and this Harambam is writing directly in Lashon Kodesh. So he writes as follows. He says that everyone must aim their hearts, right? Literally means to aim their heart. And all that they do, all of their deeds. Kulam. Right, he says, "Kol masab kulam, all of the deeds, all of them." So he's making it quite emphatic. Leda et Hashem Baruchu Belvad to know the name. Blessed be He, Belvad. Right, we say Hashem all the time. We refer to Kadosh Baruch obviously, but it literally means the name. Right, so we know a Kadosh Baruch What it is, we can know of a Kadosh Baruch which is expressed in his name, because every name is the expression of a person, right? A person's, you know, currency in the world is their name. 
That's how people know them, how people relate them, it's how they put themselves out in the world, it's how it is that they are. They are known and understood by everyone other than themselves, right? And with regards to Kadosh Baruch Hu, it's the same thing. That's the holy idea and the importance of Kiddush Hashem, right? What does it mean to sanctify the name of Kadosh Baruch Hu? It means to sanctify the way that Kadosh Baruch Hu is thought of and, and understood and uh, experienced and known in this world. And so too, Has V'Shalom, the opposite. So Harambam says that our obligation is to aim all our hearts and our deeds towards knowing HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Bilvad. And that is it. There is nothing else. His seating, his sitting, his getting up, meaning his rest, his movements, his, his speech. Hakol. Hakol. All of it. Le'umat zehadavar. Le'umat means means to be opposite this, right? So if I'm aiming, I'm aiming to what's opposite me. I'm aiming to what's in front of me. And everything has to be aimed to that. And then Rambam says, Ketzad. He says, how so? And he goes through developing it now. Again, this is only my opinion. Rambam, in his writing of this in the Mishneh Torah, much later in life, he refined it tremendously, put it forward very clearly. And I believe that if a person reads this carefully, everything that Harambam writes that we're about to read in the Shmona Perakim is included in this, although it is included in, in um, how do we say, uh, frugal ways, right? It's included in, in uh, you know, in eco- economic <laughs> ways. So he uses less words, but he includes all of the ideas in it. One of the benefits of being able to read the Shmona Perakim with regards to this particular issue is you can see Harambam broaden it, speak a little bit more about it, speak about it in different facets. And that's what we're going to do tonight. And all of it really, uh, why did I choose this? It's for me. I'll be honest, I'm reading it for me. And I'm kind of, you know, while I'm reading it over, I'm sharing it with you. But for me, it just helps me to remind myself of this often because I fail at it so so often, unfortunately. So it's always very, very helpful to kind of keep reminding myself that this is what we are required to do and <laughs> how it is that we need to do it. So I just wanted to re- cross-reference this to, to Hilchot Deot. So we'll get into the Shmon Aperakim. Now remember, the Shmon Aperakim was written in Arabic by Harambam. So the Hebrew that we're reading is a translation of the Arabic. And the translation of the Arabic is by Rav Kafir. And you'll see, you know, I happen to like the translation of Rav Kafir because he keeps the Lashon of Harambam pretty well. Uh, and the Signon of Harambam pretty well. So he writes as follows. He says, Ra'u'i l'adam l'sha'abed kol kuchot nafsho al-pi ha-machshava kefi she'igdamnu b'perek she'lifneze. He says that appropriately, a person, the Sha'bed means to enslave, literally, right? But it means to put oneself, to give oneself over to all of the kohot of his nefesh. It's an interesting language, right? All of the strength of his soul, by thought, meaning the way that a person thinks and the way that a person relates to things, as we've explained, right? And what Harambam did in the previous parakim is talk about the nefesh and the neshama. Right, its various components and how it runs and so on, but nonetheless, he says all of it, all aspects of it that we have the capability to be able to manage, must be aimed um, 
he should place in front of his eyes, right? Again, that's like the Le'umad Ziyadavar that Rambam writes in the in, in Piragima. Tachlitahat. There is only one Tachlit. Tachlit means an aim or a goal, really. Right? There's only one goal. Vihi, and that goal is Hasagat Hashem. To know or to literally Hasagat means to reach, right? Lehasig means to reach, to get to. Knowing Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Yitadir Vitrobim. How much? As much as a person can. Different people have different capacities. And one must do what one is capable of doing. Oftentimes we are not aware of what it is that we are capable of doing. We sell ourselves short. But nonetheless, one must continue to strive. Then he says, Kilomar. Kilomar, what it means is, in other words. What does it mean when, he, when it says, He has sagat Hashem? says, Harambam, Kilomar shiyada'oto. That you should know him. Vyasim kol pe'ulotav, tenu'otav, vetenu'otav, v'chol devarav, movilim el ha-tachlit hazo. That a person should place all of his actions, all of his movements, all of his restings. Tenu'otav is right, right where it is that a person is not. How a person rests, how a person takes chill time, right? How a person relaxes, and so on and so forth. Kol devarav. In all of his words, movilim, movilim literally means moves one towards, right? So that the actions that we do move us towards. The way that we engage in the world moves us towards this goal. To the point that one gets to a level in which none of their actions are wasted. What does it mean wasted? Here Harambam explains. Kilomar. In other words, What is a wasted action? An action that is not bringing you towards that aim or that goal. Right? So essentially Harambam is making it abundantly clear. He does it much more, again, much more economically, frugally in Mishneh Torah. But he says the same thing, <laughs> that what is considered a wasted action as far as Arambam is concerned, something that doesn't bring me closer to God, something that doesn't bring, bring me closer to knowing God, right? So now he gives uh, uh, examples, right? He goes, for example, a person puts his aim in his eating and drinking, and his sleep, and even his sexual activity, Yekitzato, his waking, tnu'ato, the way that he moves, tnu'ato, his resting, briut gufo, the health of his of his body, bilvat, uh, should all be to that goal, right? Ve'amatara bebriut, okay, so he goes, well, what, how is a person supposed to be, you know, concerned about health, being, grasping God, or getting to know God? So he says, well, ha'matara bebriut gufo, what's the purpose of health? And that's very important because underlying all of this is a question of purpose. Because what we will see is that a person can do the same actions with the wrong purpose. And those actions are no longer the actions that will bring the person closer to God. Even though they are identical in movement or a description. So Harambam says the matara. What is a matara? Matara is the goal or the aim, the, the end point. 
in briut gufo, in the health of one's body, is kedishtim sahanefesh et keleha briim, so that the soul should find its tools well well working, right? In, in, in top shape, because the body is the tool of the soul to be able to action what it is that it needs to action. Why, what does it use the body for? It uses the body to study, to be able to gain and rise consistently through, throughout life in the appropriate attributes, and also appropriate thought. So that all of it <laughs> brings a person to that ultimate aim of knowing a Kadosh Baruch if a person follows this path, then a person will not only engage in things for, for pleasure. Alone. Notice that Haramam says, right? It's not just ple- about pleasure. To the point that a person only eats and drinks what is tastes best. And most enjoyable. He says, and this is the case with all other of the things that we do, all other behaviors. What does that mean, the case with all of it? It's a case with all other behaviors that we behave in a way that brings us towards knowing God and not just enjoyment. Does that mean that we shouldn't enjoy? No, if the things that we do are helpful to us and there happens to be enjoyment in them, wonderful. Islam will say in a moment, right? But if there's not, right, well, then we have to recognize that more important than the enjoyment is the benefit. Rather, what a person should aim towards in doing anything is what is the best uh, outcome of this, right? What is the, the, the best thing for me to do in this situation? And the answer to that should be whatever brings you closer to God. Now, it happens to be that the food that you eat does taste good, right? Because you realize you need to have, you know, have protein or whatever it is, you know, for your for your functioning of your body. You need carbohydrates this much and that much. So, so you happen to have ones that taste good. Okay, great. That's fine. But if it happens to be that the things that you should be eating don't taste best for you, doesn't matter. Still have to eat them. You have to eat your vegetables. Oh, shit, kaveni oter arebet Right now, you 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 uh, you may end up choosing food that tastes good. Now, this is this is important because this Harambam doesn't say explicitly in the in the Mishneh Torah. Right, he's unpacking it in a very specific way. It's clear, in my opinion, from the Mishneh Torah that this is included. For sure, and what Harambam writes, but here he's writing it explicitly. So he says, "Look, there may be a situation in which eating good-tasting food is a medical necessity. How so? Right? So he says, says, let's say a person just doesn't have an appetite anymore.'" And what's going to get him to eat is eating good food. It's the only thing that a person will choose to end up eating if it's tasty or something like that. I remember when I was, uh, I couldn't understand it, you know, but when I was a kid and I was sick, they, they always say you have to drink a lot of liquids. 
my parents never ever let me drink soda when I was a kid, you know, Coke or, you know, Sprite or whatever. Never let me drink it, only on Shabbat. On Shabbat, I was allowed to have a little bit. But if I was sick, they would give it to me. Why did they give it to me? Because it was still liquids. <laughs> I put some ice in it, it would have water, you know, and then whatever. And that's what they gave me to drink. I was allowed to drink it. I didn't realize why, but I just thought that, okay, because I'm nebuch, because I'm sick. So they gave me some, you know, uh, Coke to drink. But it was because they wanted me to have uh, fluids. So uh, it's similar to what Haram is writing over here, right? Normally, you're not supposed to have it, but if it's going to help you medically for some other reason, that's, that's oh, okay, so fine. So he says over here, if a person doesn't have an appetite, so then you entice a person to start opening up his appetite or appetite by giving them foods that they really, really like. That might be a way. There's also, Rabban doesn't write this in the Mishneh Torah, but a very interesting point here because this has to do with psychological ailments. Even the lack of appetite might very much have to do with psychological avenues. But the next one is certainly so. And that is that a person is marash hora, person is depressed. That's what marash hora is, right? That he's be they become overwhelmingly depressed. How do you get away? How do you take away depression? Haram Bam says, well, you listen to really nice music. Or you you or you go and, and, and tour beautiful gardens and, and beautiful architecture that hopefully lift the spirits a bit. You sit around beautiful forms and figures. Things like that calm the soul. They bring the soul back into balance. They bring the soul, they remind the soul that there is beauty in the world, that there is beautiful and wonderful things in the world, and not everything is just terrible and dark and horrible because something has gone wrong or whatever the case may be, and it ends up you know, consuming a person. It balances the soul again. It takes away this. Shimum in modern Hebrew means boredom, but here it means the... the the lack of ability to move from the obsession or focus of the depressive thought, right? Okay. And all of the kavana in this is to become healthy. Why? How are you supposed to get anything done? Otherwise. And why should a person be healthy? Is the next level to that? So they should know. And in that footnote over there, number four of Kafrach says, what do you mean? Sheyada? Sheyada da'at Tashem. Obviously. <laughs> they learn to know God. So too, when a person is making money and acquiring uh, um, assets, right? Acquiring uh, belongings and things. Okay? This is very interesting, right? He says a person should have intent in doing that to have things around him that are that raise one's spirit, that are good and nice. First of all, enough things that are going to keep a person healthy, to keep a person around and well, so that he can come to know God as best as he can. So he says, and based on this, 
He says, therefore, if a person engages in studying medicine, there is tremendous benefit. Right? Now, this is true, but Harambam's study of medicine and our study of medicine was completely different. Harambam's study of medicine was basically an art. And he writes in his writings on medicine. He says, I know that what I know about medicine is more, not much more than an art. He goes, I know that the tachlit, right, that ultimately what it's about and what is really underlying it is very, very far from us. We don't, we don't know what's going on with, with the human body, really. Today, the, as you'll see, this for all of us includes just being able to know it's healthy and doing good and proper research in terms of being able to know it's healthy. And he says that is a very valuable thing to do, right? Vieli mudavita skudpa. And engaging this, is one of the most important works we can do. It's nothing compared, can't, shouldn't be compared to, to carpentry or, 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 you know, or, uh, you know, being a tailor or, or you know, uh, working with textiles, which were common trades, right, at the time. Why? Because the more we know about medicine, we know about the way how our body works and we know therefore about health and what's healthy now Baruch Hashem, you have podcasts galore that help you with these kinds of things of course you have to vet them and know who's talking to you and so on and so forth and what the credentials are but nonetheless that's true <laughs> the more we know about this the more we bring ourselves to better health and the more we bring ourselves to better health the more we are capable of being able to know God and become close to him Right? Could be that a person has this amazingly delicious food, right? That tastes good, smells good. It's all things all good, but it really hurts you because it'll give you, you know, cardiovascular problems and things like that, and give you cavities and so on and so forth, and cause you sugar spikes or who knows what it is that you're eating that's not great, you know, whether it's chocolate cake or a big fat steak or whatever the case may be. <laughs> It could be that even though it tastes good and smells good and sound, looks wonderful to you, it can cause you terrible sickness and danger. It can cause you to die. And in this capacity, says Harambam, the human and the animal are the same. Why are they the same? He's saying because when a human being acts in ways that are only geared towards ta'ava, which essentially means what my drive tells me to do. It is no different than any other animal on this planet that does what the drives tell the animal to do. But it does not employ the cognitive thought and careful reasoning that is uniquely human. And because it does not employ the uniquely human nature of thought, there is no difference in these actions between a human being and an animal. Why? Because they're basically using the same faculties, right? It is at the bottom line, a human being is an animal on this planet, and a, per, a human being can revert to animalistic behavior. And all that means is that they're not thinking very carefully in what it is that they're doing and why. And what the outcomes are, why? Because an animal cannot think what if. And as long as we do not think what if, 
we are acting in animalistic behaviors. We all suffer from this and we all have done this and sometimes it gets us into terrible problems. But the reality is, is that that's, that's what Harabama's point is. There's no difference. It's what a human does because a human is an animal. Is the pasuk says What is a human function? A human function is as if a human eats what is beneficial to the human. Why? Because the human has capacity to know what's beneficial, and therefore does. Even if a person leaves what is tasting good and eats something that doesn't taste good, but knows that it's important for him to eat this for his health and well-being, that is a thoughtful action. That's what separates a human being from every other animal on this planet. So too with this person's sexual life. When a person is engaging in sexual engaging sexual activity, anytime that a person wants, without thinking and weighing, is this beneficial or harmful to me? And then deciding how to engage. That too is animalistic behavior. Why? Because okay, I mean every animal procreate, procreates, engages in sexual activity. And so that's coming from an animalistic element. But the thought of, is this beneficial to me? Is this going to be good for me or harmful for me? Is this going to ultimately in the long run be something that benefits or harms? That's human. And if a person acts in other ways, he's doing it because he's a, he's a living animal on this planet, not a human. Now it is possible, says Rambam, that a human being can regulate behavior to always act in the human capacity. And that simply means to consider the ramifications of these actions, of all actions, essentially, and how they will benefit or cause any, any detriment and make the decisions based on that. And ultimately, as remember, let's remember what is the ultimate benefit to the person. Is it going to bring me closer to God? To know God better. Right, so he says, because he, he adds another level here. He says, even if a person does it, even if a person does it, thinking is this healthy or not healthy, and that's all a person thinks, and zoma'ala, that's not a, a level that's worth boasting about or being proud of, or, or actually considering is an actually an actual achievement. Forget about boasting and being proud of it. It's not an actual achievement. Why? That's all your personal preference. It's like people who like working out or, you know, or, or like, uh, you know, keeping a healthy lifestyle. Okay, so you like that. And this guy likes this, right? This guy likes, uh, you know, uh, going to concerts. You know, that's, it's your hobby. If that's your hobby, because it's again, it's a choice that's being made because it's something that you like. But it's not because you recognize that being healthy brings you to something else that is more beneficial to that, that ultimately is being able to know and connect to God. Again, he's talking about what is the aim? What is the goal? All of a person's actions should be aimed in terms of health, and to be able to be maintaining one's existence in peace 
which is an important thing, right? Not in volatile dramas and, and difficulties and, and, you know, who, 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 but in peace and find some kind of even keel. A is so that the tools of the nefesh, which are essentially the body, right, are whole and functional. Because then the soul can work without obstacles. Right? In the levels of refining one's character and being able to think clearly and properly and study and learn. And so too, even the learning, everything that we learn, all it is that we come and discover. Right? Everything should be towards that goal, right? So anything that is towards that goal, we don't have to speak about. If you're studying or learning something that doesn't seem to have any any capacity for bringing you towards that goal, like algebraic Questions or equations, or geometry, or scientific questions, even physics, all of these other kinds of sciences and maths, and so on and so forth. What do we use them? What do we engage in them for? So, Harabam says we engage in them We engage in them to keep our minds alert, clear, and, and, and in, in good function to be able to think. Which, okay, that is true. I think that today there's more to it than that, right? I think that today we recognize that it's also an ability for us to be able to actually be engaged in a world in reality. And if we are distancing ourselves from reality or we are not really conscious of the nature of reality, we're distancing ourselves from God because all of it is ultimately an expression of His. But Harabam says here that, you know, it's, it's about being able to keep one's mind on a level that is able to think in high terms. And to be able to learn how to prove things, right? Because for Harambam, logical proofs were very important. Very important. Through logical proofs, Harambam says, through being able to recognize what is what is true based on logical proof, brings a person to be able to know the nature of existence. And therefore, the, the existence of God. And so too, with regards to all things that a human being engages in, he should think about what is going to get, give him toilet, what's going to give him benefit. And the more that he recognizes what is beneficial, he'll remove the things that are harmful and causing da- damage to his soul or to his body. Either in learning a particular level of knowledge, right? Whether it's learning something high level or experiencing something high level, or being connected to a human being that is on a high level, right? To learn from the actions of real gedolim, or the opposite, knowing what a lacking is. And knowing what a person who lives things that are lacking is. And therefore, Rambam says, The recognition of making light of someone who is living a life of lacking, 
right? Or of problem, problematic life, right? That's causing harm to himself, harm to the world, so on and so forth, or is not developing and growing, and so on. Ginui Zichram speaking in negative terms about them, right? Just about the things that they might do and why they're problematic. That, so that people shouldn't look up to them, right? And see them. I'll never forget, you know, people used to go crazy. They still do, you know, uh, mob movies, movies about the mafia. People love the mafia movies. They love, you know, the Sopranos and the Godfather and, and, and I don't know what. And I remember I was a kid and I said to my dad, you know, at one point I was like, do you like this movie? He goes, why would I like a movie about murderers? They're all murderers. And they make murder, uh, you know, uh, glitzy and, and exciting and wonderful. And I had never thought of it before. I said, okay, they're, you know, they're mafiosos. It's what they do, you know. But... <laughs> To be able to recognize how does it we're meant to relate to people like that, not to uh, uh, what you call glorify them in any in any way. Why? Because we have to be able to recognize that these things should not be glorified. So that we should be able to learn and not do what they do. Not only is it an obligation, it is a a a a, a degree of growth and, and development to be able to recognize that. As you shall see that a Kadosh Baruch says, You're not to do like what, what Egypt did and what Eris Canaan did. I, it's the reason why I took you out of there and the reason why I'm getting those people out of there and bringing you in, says the Torah. And everything that the Torah presents as being negative in terms of what it is that people do. The Torah does that on purpose to give us a gauge and a compass as to what we should be like and shouldn't be like. And to recognize the values and merits of the righteous people that are doing things right, which is why they're called righteous. Or tzedek, tzedekim. All of that is the whole point of mentioning it at all in the Torah, is to be able to teach you this is what we should do, this is what we should not do. And when a person makes one's aim, this, Pinui He'll find he won't be doing a lot of things. He also won't be saying a lot of things. It will it will uh, dilute or distill. I think is the better word. It will distill one's actions and one's words, because one will find that the great majority of actions and the great majority of words are not aiming towards this goal. I'll give you an example. You know, a person who's living this way, he's not going to spend a huge amount of time thinking about where he should place gold on his walls or gold threads in his clothes. Now, even this, interestingly, Arambam <coughs> wants to qualify. He qualifies it. He says, Zulati, right? When should a person be thinking about putting gold on their walls and in their clothes? 
Again, he brings this in, right? If he does it in order to be able to bring his soul to calm. Why? Because aesthetic is important. And Rambam says this explicitly. Aesthetic is important. Why? So that the soul and everything that the soul feels that is ailed by can be taken away by the pleasant surroundings that a person finds oneself in. That it should be bright, and pure and nice. So that when a person's surrounding is aesthetic and pleasant, it helps a person think and engage and just be in a better place of mind and spirit. As indeed, Harabam brings a proof from the Gemara. As they said, a nice, a nice house, a nice wife, nice uh, kelim. Kelim are all vessels, right? The things that you use, clothes is kelim, your furniture is kelim, these kinds of things, okay? Mita mutzat, a bed that is made and clean. And the Talmidei Hachamim, <coughs> in one Gemara it says that's what Talmidei Hachamim should have. Another Gemara says, Marhivim Adam. It broadens a person's capacity to engage in the world. And think. Why? Why? Because the nefesh, the soul, will become uh, uh, affected, negatively affected. And the mind will not think clearly. If all you see around you are ugly, horrible things. It affects you. Just as a, a body would get sick. If you're constantly working in hardships and difficulties. Until he's able to rest. Then he can come back to balance. So here Harambam writes explicitly that the, and I think it's very clear, he says it in many, many ways, that A, what brings the, the spirit health and balance is just as important as what brings the, the body health and balance. And we have to recognize that a lot of the things that we think are frivolous are not frivolous if they really bring us to a resting place of mind and spirit. So if everything around us is a big mishkabamu, or we don't have any aesthetic, or it really brings me down, that's not something that's helpful. And it should, an effort should be made to make them aesthetically pleasing. If that is something that affects people. And a person has to think about where they live based on this. <laughs> if a person... I mean, given their capacity to be able to, a person is affected by sunlight, you know, so there's no sun, uh, things are dark and cloudy all the time, and that affects a person very deeply. A person needs to think very carefully whether this is the appropriate place for them to live. Of course, there are other factors involved, right? So you go to a sunny, nice place, but there's nobody there, right? Or there's no, there's no people that help influence you in the right way also. That's also not, all of it has to be taken into consideration. Okay. So he says, uh, he comes back to settle. If a person who's constantly working hard and doing difficult things for the body, he rests, he comes to settle. 
The soul also needs to rest. Soul also needs quiet and and calm. Litasek menachat chushim and to have a calming of the senses. To go to, you know, see beautiful art. Go see beautiful things. Chachamim got tired from reading so much. They needed to go take a, their, put their mind onto something else. Okay. Rav Kafra here says, I don't know where it says that. It does say, When they would get tired of reading so much, they'd start telling jokes. Okay? But anyway, he says, look at Shabbat Lamed Amud. But it's known. <laughs> Somebody has told me about that. He goes, I would, I would say, honestly, uh, if I was, I, I'm a little bit hesitant to say it says Haramban, but based on these things, going to the museum to see beautiful works of art, or you know, engaging in even uh, aesthetic or putting gold on your walls or whatever it is, if that's what works, are not bad perulot. They're not libatala, as Haramban says, right? They're not for nothing because ultimately they bring you to reaching a kadosh to be to be able to have inspiration from having beautiful clothes beautiful things around you and so on and so forth for those purposes as long as the matara is knowing a kadosh and it's easy for a person to fool oneself and a kadosh who has his ways of you know bringing us back on target now this is important. This Harambam does not say in the Mishneh Torah. But he says it here. He goes, I want you to know that the level of which I speak to you is a very high level. And it's difficult. A person who actually reaches this in its whole, in its fullness, in its genuineness, where really a person is not doing, saying, acting, relaxing in any way other than for this matara, very few people reach it. And it comes only after a tremendous amount of regulation, meaning regulating, trying, constantly bringing oneself further and further. Excuse me. He goes, if you end up getting to a person or having a person that is genuinely this way, that lives this way, he's no less than a Navi. Because he does everything that he does in his entire life only for God. In that case, he won't do any action, big or small, won't say any word, big or small, unless it is for this for this purpose. And if that word helps, it's beneficial to him. That a person is living so consciously that they think about this with everything they do. Akadosh Baruch Hu is asking us, this is what our matara should be. It's what our aim should be. 
When it says you should love God with all of your heart, all of your soul. So here Rabban brings what he was saying before. All of the components of your soul. I was thinking today whether I should read the first parak with you or this parak. And I decided on this parak because I told you I need to hear it. But this first parak deals with this question of the... And also in the first parak, Rabban deals a lot with his... Uh, medieval medicine, which is a little bit difficult for us to navigate through. But nonetheless, there is one basic point that Hanabam does bring out over here that's very clear, and that is that there are parts to the soul. Even though Hanabam says the soul itself is not made of parts, but it manifests as though it has parts. Because it manifests, manifests in complexities. And when we talk about integrity, I've said many times, integrity is the integration of these parts towards one goal and aim. And that's what Harambam is saying over here. And what Harambam is saying is that integrity, when it comes to knowing God or coming close to God, is an extremely difficult level to achieve. But it's good to know that. It's good to know that. So it's integrity or bust. But we aim towards that. We live our lives to keep trying and striving towards it. And that's why he says you try <laughs> with all the halakim, every part of your soul. Every part. Even the dark parts must somehow be brought to light towards this. Said this when they said, Which Nevi'im is that? said, Even with the Dvar even if there's a transgression, it has to be aimed towards this. What does it mean? That it's avera lishma, right? And those are dangerous. Steer clear from those. But nonetheless, even the hachamim say they speak of it in those terms. That whatever it is that a person is doing must be aimed towards truth, not self-deception, and not for any other ulterior motives. Even if there's some element of Avera in it, if the goal is to be able to reach HaKadosh Baruch Hu, well, then you deal with that with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But at least your goal genuinely was to reach Him. And Achamim, they included this whole Perek in the simplest and cleanest language, in the shortest language, in the, the most short that it could be, and they completely encompass the entire idea. Until the point that you realize the word, the specific words they use to say it. People have written chapters and books on this stuff. You know that when the Hachamim spoke and they said this, they were speaking with divine inspiration. Without any 
doubt whatsoever, says Haramba. That when the Hachamim spoke this, they spoke with divine inspiration. And they said it in this Masechet, in their command, all of your actions, all of your deeds should be for the sake of heaven. Simple. I've explained the unpacking of that very simple five-word line in this perik. It's what I thought is appropriate to mention here, the fiat So that's it. That is the fifth chapter of the Shmona Perakim. And I think that it's something that's helpful for us to be able to keep in our minds. And with that, I thank you all once again for your wonderful attention and, and engagement and being present for this. And Yiratzon, we should be zocheh to be mekayem, the words of Haramban, and uh, fulfill it in our lives. With his help, of course, because we can't do it without his help <laughs> at all. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mahan. Stay updated for our next show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you.